views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Abolitionist Radio, Black Talk Radio, in conjunction and collaboration with Prison Street Talk Ministries. This is Mother Khadija with Jazz Underground International. Um, this show also has two other hosts. We have Tyson McCullum with Prison Street Talk Ministries and Maxwell Melvin with the Lifers Group. So I want to say welcome all the hosts. I want to go ahead and just um, welcome the host. Also, he's on air um, Christopher Pastor, he also was an ex-prisoner, he'll share his experience. So everyone, panel hosts, go ahead and welcome yourselves to the new abolitionist radio, Black Street Talk Ministry. Good evening, guys. How you doing? I'm Chris Pastor. I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm joining Underground Jazz. I'm really loving the uh, platform. Thank you guys for hosting me tonight, and I look to have a great conversation. Exactly, exactly. We're looking forward to it, my brother. You know, I'd like to thank you for coming on. No uh, could you well, kind of, like, give us a little background on yourself, you know, just... Well, Maxwell, just... before you say that, I just wanted to everyone to know about the new Abolitionist Radio. We are an award-winning weekly radio broadcast and podcast. We started in 2012, and our mission is to bring awareness to legalized slavery and human trafficking in the United States, preserved by the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And the new abolitionist radio, um, in conjunction with Prison Street Talk Ministries, our goal is to discuss real issues that incarcerated individuals face, resources for families, interviews, and pretty much just keep it real with, with what we have to do to survive even the trauma after being incarcerated, which is what Brother Pastor will talk about so please join in. We're here every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the new Abolitionist Radio, Black Talk Radio Network, studio line, call in, 704-802-5056. That's, again, 704-802-5056. And I don't want to leave out Brother Scotty Reed. He's here with us. He's just doing, um, helping us um, do some back-behind-the-scenes technology. But without him, we wouldn't even have this platform. So I just want to say to all of us abolitionists that's here, Scotty, thank you for making a way for us. And I just really appreciate being able to be a voice, especially to those that are incarcerated. So thank you again, Brother Reed. Yeah. Maxwell, oh, Maxwell. Yeah. I don't yeah, want how you to doing? talk about the life of truth, but I really want people to know who you really are. So introduce yourself, brother. All right. This is uh, Maxwell Melvin, only of the Lifers Group. Uh, the Lifers Group was basically an organization that uh, was formed inside of Rawway State Prison. And the means of the Lifers Group was, before it came popular by Scare Straight, it was a platform so that we would, you know, be able to have, uh, you know, to sit on these boards and to give them some type of direction, you know, because all your short-term offenders and everybody inside the prison 
had programs and different things available to them, but long-term offenders didn't have anything. So therefore, the guy came up with the uh, concept, you know, we needed something, we needed people to hear our stories and be our own voice and to help, you know, pass legislation and things that affected us and affected our lives and families. So during the course of that, though, uh, one of the Lifers Group members uh, was experiencing problems and, and different things with his child. And he noticed since the administration had been bringing in just college students to give them a tour of the prison and everything, you know, they came up with the concept that I can't be out there to look after my kid. I can't do this. I can't do that. And the idea was, hey, maybe if we come up with a program for juveniles, in order to help deter them from a life of crime on down the path that we chose to come down. And so that's how this all began with the Lifers Group. Uh, as I said, the, the Lifers Group isn't actually called Scare Straight. That was just one of the many documentaries, award-winning documentaries, that the Lifers Group did. And uh, Scare Straight came up It was given to the group as a, a um, as to highlight, you know, to sensationalize it, you know, because we weren't actually trying to scare the children. All we wanted to do was instill in these children that, hey, I don't want you to become what I am. And the way and the route that you're going, if you keep on doing that, you will be one of us sitting here on this stage, you know. But another thing was, you know, we, the Lifers Group, had so many, you know, we had so many programs. Uh, the Parental Awareness Program, we had the College Awareness Forum. And let me say this about the College Awareness Forum. The College Awareness Forum was a very important program because these were students that were majoring in criminal justice. These were the students that were going to be your policymakers. These were the people that were going to be your judges, be your police officers, in the community, everything in dealing with criminal justice system, it's just like it's a big umbrella, a big umbrella of various programs that came up under that, you know? So, uh, and, and Maxwell, know, I just wanted yes. to say this is why yeah. I wanted people to know we're gonna have you on talking about Life is Group, a whole different show because we yeah. know, yeah. yeah, we could, we know, we know how much you've done. No, we just want to jump right into the show because, you yeah. know, Brother Reed, he normally yeah. talk about the 13th Amendment and, and yeah. explain yeah. it. But, and yeah. that's what we do with the pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, we're about abolishing that 13th Amendment. And then yeah. for the listeners that don't really know about the 13th Amendment, um, yeah. this amendment basically, um, I'm just going to read what it actually says. It says, it neither slavery, slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime where other parties shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to its jurisdiction. So, basically, prisoners working for 22 cents an hour, is that is that legalized slavery or not? So what we do is to see, as an abolitionist, Brother Pastor, how do you feel about that 13th Amendment? Um, let, me, let me come on and say this first. Um, my yeah. back, let me give a kind of bio myself. Um, yeah. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, raised yeah. in Atlanta, Georgia. I came out of a very violent um, background, uh, whether that was home life and community life. So for me, it was a golden road to prison. Everything that I was going through facilitated that direction because of low self-esteem, poor perspective, lack of education. Um, and even access to resources. So all those things kind of culminated for me to go in that direction, but it was still my choice. Um, and making that choice, me going in there, there was a lot I learned about myself, about humanity, as well as the government system that we have. Um, and, that, and so my background and my purpose um, is to make an impact in people's lives in any way um, possible. Um, I've done that in prison. I'm teaching classes with Dress for Success, uh, resume writing, how to clean your credit. I spent six years in federal prison. Um, I don't glorify that. There's not a badge to wear, and I don't wear it as that and such. I use it as 
platform for me to yeah. engage other young men who are either going in that direction mm. or have insight uh, to help out in that direction. So whatever mm. that goes from there for them to make an impact. So for yeah. me, this 13th Amendment is an issue, and the reason why, as the point you brought up last, was the servitude that you're induced into when you're in prison. There's a program called Unicor. Uh, anyone who's been in federal prison understands what Unicor is, but that's nothing but a model that many states have always done with fabricating license plates, whatever that may have been that the state may have needed, um, they, they would supply those needs. Now, on the federal level, um, Unicor provides all the federal items that are needed, like parachutes, um, desks, clothing for the military, whatever that's needed, uh, um, even refurbishing computers or uh, recycling computers, that's done through Unicor. And that's, like you said, 22 cents to a dollar and five cents an hour. From the moment I entered into prison, I made it a conscious decision never to involve myself with that. Never to involve myself with that slave um, platform. But what I did do was I made sure that I got involved and I worked in places that would give me the experience I needed once I came back to the society. For example, HVAC, electrical, tools, um, things I did not do because I dropped out of school eighth grade. Um, I didn't have a GED when I went to prison. Um, so all those things pushed me to say, I'm not doing the slave man mentality. I'm going to do things that are going to benefit me. And through those six years in prison, that's all I did. All I did was focus on computer skills. I would go into the computer lab by myself after I got my certificate and gained a rapport with the computer teacher and began teaching myself through the book everything from Microsoft applications to different JavaScripts or um, things of that nature. So I made, it was my decision from the time I entered was never to involve myself with anything that would hinder my personal growth and maturity. So Unicorn to me was something that many of my brothers fell into, especially using Melvin thinking about the lifers. A lot of the lifers who are in there that is a way of living for them. And they some of them even support their families through that. It is slave-like mentality. I do agree. Mm -hmm. and those yeah. lifers, that's their way of living. That's their day. That's how they consume their day so they can do their time. I have yeah. many friends from Detroit who are doing life. And if you know about the federal penitentiary, life in the feds is till you die. The paperwork says mm -hmm. release the feast. That being you know, motivation for me to come out here So for me, um, I want to make an impact. Angel mm -hmm. Book Project, the impact. 360 yeah. South Media, the impact. Um, things I do in the community as my bio will read. I've always done prison ministry. Um, I've done that since 2008. Um, I've always look to, to young men to teach them on how to dress and how to conduct yourself in different professional arenas. So that is my passion, and that's why I can talk about it so freely and so easily. I definitely uh, applaud what you guys are doing, um, raising the 13th Amendment out of, you know, and placing it in front of people to say, listen, this is what it means. This is what it involves if we continue to have this on the books. It gives individuals the right and responsibility to enslave individuals once they are up under penalty um, or punishment, whatever you want to call it. So that's that's where I'm at. Um, and I want to say, Brother Melvin, one of the things that I always encourage my guys who were doing an L or, you know, period, was, you know, continue to fight, find someone to mentor, to send back out there to mentor, if that makes sense. How y'all brothers doing, man? This is on Tyson. And, um, you know, yeah, you have some valid points, man. You're very right. And, um, you know, like a lot of things, man, majority of us on the phone has had time to, to sit down and think about it. I did over 20 years. Maxwell did over 20 years. You did, Tom, and as well as these, these statues and these laws and the conditions of the way how they treat us in prison, man. Is very uncalled for. 
because it, 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 it's the same day as our ancestors. It's like, it's like, you know, when you go in the, in the system, man, it's like visualize what your ancestors went through. You know what I'm saying? It's like visualize what your ancestors went through, meaning mentally wise, because mentally wise, they try to brainwash you. They try to have you in this mentality as to where it is. You gonna submit, bow down, or this is what the repercussions is. So brothers like us who who's experienced it and stay strong minded, man, it takes a strong man to actually get through a prison sentence, especially a long prison sentence. Because if you don't have a mind for it, because listen, my 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 motto was when I did all my time and I was in there, you can have my body, but you ain't gonna have my mind, my soul, or my spirit. You can beat the body, you can beat the flesh, but you can't take my soul. You can't take my spirit, and you ain't going to take my mind. Because I ain't allowed myself to be caged up in, 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 in what you call this isolated box of where is I felt like the things they was trying to make me feel was right was right. Because in my mind, and my heart, regardless of what, I'm here, I'm paying my penalty to society. But you're not going to control me and try to psychologically brainwash me into thinking your way of thinking or what you feel about me is right. You know what I'm saying? And that's what most brothers fail to realize, man. It's like even when we, we paying our debt to society, when we lock in that box, it doesn't stop you from learning. It doesn't stop you from, from trying to be a better person. It doesn't stop you from, from achieving the goals that you need to achieve. You know what I'm saying? Some brother has to realize when it's a time where you have to understand that, listen, I'm not just going to sit here and, and just do this time and get these people this time. No. I'm going to capitalize off these time that these people gave me. I'm going to use this time that I'm sitting here to better myself, to to find ways and, 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 and things like that to be able to achieve certain goals that I need to achieve to be a better man, to you utilize the resources that they have to be a better man, because they sometimes they put these resources in our face because they look at oh these 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 African Americans what they so called call us are not going to utilize these schools because they they feel like we lazy or something or we not going to read or you know what I'm saying that's what I encourage brothers to do read read up on your background read up on your history. Read up on the things that you need to be able to free yourself. Law, you know what I'm saying? 13th Amendment on on modern day slavery. What governs? What governs in us? Um, you know all these type of things, man. That you know we have rights. You know what I'm saying? Sovereign citizens, all type of things, man. Like it's a lot of things out there that we don't even understand, and, and that is this. But we don't go research. We have to research what what is right in front of us because if we don't research it, we're going to continue to be lost. But that's I, that's why I wanted to alliterate on, brother, because you know what I'm saying? Like, the trauma that is caused to our brothers and sisters by being incarcerated, it also impacts down from what our ancestors had to endure. The stories, the learning of history, the learning of slavery. The learning of all these things that our grandmamas, our grandfathers, our great-grandmamas went through, you know what I'm saying? Regardless if we didn't go through in my generation, I can't speak for nobody's generation. You know what I'm saying? I went through a little bit of, you know, you know, segregation and things like that, but it wasn't nothing serious. But, you know, when you're getting the stories from your grandparents and things about what they had to endure, it takes an impact because it's all trauma. All trauma. So, brother, I want to ask you about the trauma that you went through, brother Pastor. Oh man, uh, that's a very good point. It was traumatizing. Um, I think the biggest trauma I, I experienced was spending time in the county jails. And it's and let's I want to step back and say this: there's a system they have set up to prepare you for when you get to the compound. What they do is they slowly give you freedom from the county um, to you going to hold over to when you get to your your first prison you got some freedom you can move around and you and you start thinking oh this is good 
but not knowing that there's a greater freedom, and we don't challenge ourselves for that. But to, to jump on your point of the trauma, my traumatization came from seeing, um, was in Oklahoma City. i never forget this. I was, uh, anyone knows federal transport, they transport you to different locations to process you for classification. So one of the places they take you to is Oklahoma City. That's the Federal Transit Center, FTC, uh, Oklahoma. These, this is the airport where there are 737, 747s pulling up full of black and brown and white faces. I, I, I got to say, you know, just full of us, mostly 60% us. And I'm on the plane getting off, and all you see is orange jumpsuits and shackles and handcuffs shuffling across the airfield into another building. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. It reminded me of the slave ships, how they transported us, brought us here, and that's, that, 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 that traumatized me. Like, you know what? They, they have a system. And their system is working so well that it's entrapping us and putting us in this slave ship. That's what the airplane was, because we're talking about a huge 747, not a prop plane, not a jet, but a 747 Boeing, which is a huge commercial airliner. So that was, that was my first traumatization and my first realization that, you know what, these people ain't playing. They're trying to snatch lives out, and they're snatching the lives of black men from our community, and they're doing it by limiting choices. I met with a young man years ago. He said if you give someone limited choices, they'll eventually start making bad choices. Limited choices simply means that I don't have the access to the same resources that Johnny has in his community versus the one I have. And if you know, like I know, most of us have taken the path of least resistance. That's how we ended up in certain situations. We put ourselves in and we ended up being, was, it was a path of least resistance. It was easy for me to go find somebody who would front me an ounce of, ounce of crack. It was easy for me to find somebody who would give me a pound of weed. So I took those things on and that became my lifestyle, that became my identity until I began to you know, look inside myself, as you say, research, using that law library, use in the library, and that's something that, you know, many of us, even when we're in there, and brothers, you guys who've been there, you guys know, you can go on the rec yard and it's packed. People will fight you over some weights. But you go to the law library, the library, it's almost and sometimes empty. So that has to change. But that was the process that began you know, after that traumatization of seeing my brothers and my sisters, not just brothers, um, but women too, black women. That's the fastest growing population in 1999 that they categorized. Black and Latino women was the fastest federal population growing. Seeing them being right. shuffled off the plane into from cage to cage, because once you get inside the building, you got to be classification. You're placed in this cage. Then they take you from here to another cage. Then they finally take you upstairs. You can put your mat down and get something to eat. But even that's psychological because you're only there for a duration. You never know when they're coming to get you. They'll come wake you up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Does that remind you of something, guys? Right. Right. So that, that itself was traumatizing to me. And I've been there. Listen, I, w I went to... I just came home from the federal prison. Like I went to on uh, USP Atlanta. I exactly. sat in there waiting to go to my next location, which was right down the street, which was Edgefield. And you know, as a matter of fact, Edgefield, they passed Edgefield to get to Atlanta. Yeah. You know I had yes. to go be housed all the way in Atlanta when you passed the prison that I was going through only for them to, to have to wait. I had to wait three weeks for them to come get me and bring me all the way back to South Carolina. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you how traumatizing so, that was to me. When yeah, you just said Atlanta USC, I had a flashback. Yeah. I had a flashback. Yeah, they the worst. Bro, I walked oh, yeah, in there. When you walk through the hallways, bro, the ceiling is leaking. You know what I'm saying? Listen, brothers brothers is fighting over the phones because on the side I was on, yeah. they only had two two phones and two computers. 
The other side had more phones, four phones, a microwave. We didn't have no microwave, so we can't warm up no water for no coffee. We had to ask the people on the other side for water. So, or use the hot shower water to make coffee. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the conditions, and, 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 and you know, Atlanta been up for a long time. It's a, one of the old, they call it, oldest. They call it the Castle of Grayskull. It sits right uh-huh. there across from Missville Projects. I was raised in Atlanta. I used to drive by that place every, yeah. listen, I'm going to be very blunt with you guys. I used to drive by there with sometimes trunks full of stuff and would look at that dog on brick wall and look at that building and not know what was going on until I caught my case and had to go there myself. It is it's right. the Castle of Great Skull. It is one of the oldest prisons behind Leavenworth. And it's the one right. of the most poorly ran prisons because of how classification is done. You can be there for three months and 24-hour, uh, 24-7, no, 24 hours, uh, one hour out, 23 and one out a day. And to me, that was traumatizing. If you have to sit in, I've seen men sit inside those cells and go crazy. You can say the same thing, brother. And I mean, we've both seen it. I've, I've been, I've been, I spent 11 months in the hole during my whole bid. Um, and those 11 months, I've seen men go crazy, begin to eat their own feces, piss on themselves, excuse my language, but it's the reality of what's in there. And that, that itself is when we talk about the trauma of prison. That is traumatizing. Um, when you're in court, when you, and I just saw a thing on the news. They were talking about illegal aliens being housed out in Arizona in lockdown confinement for 24 hours. And I'm thinking to myself, I've never seen that story about Atlanta USP or about Terre Haute or about um, Allenwood. Sometimes you're in that hole for 11, 12 months, or if they decide to give you diesel therapy. And if you know what diesel therapy is, they will put you on a bus let you stay at that prison for just enough time for your mail to come and then come pack you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and take you to the next prison. And you'll be moving around when your family can't even find you for a whole year and a half because you are unruly, as they say, and that's called diesel therapy. So there's so much traumatization when it comes to prison in general. The thing is, what do we do afterwards? Um, How do we rebound from that trauma? And see, those are good questions and good points that you bring and I just want I didn't mean to interrupt you but we're down to our last three minutes before break but that this is why it's so important for prisoners to have a voice to be able to vote and address these concerns because there's a reason why they're throwing feces and 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 pee and, and urine and stuff there's a reason why people are acting like animals and it's because no one's listening to them no one's explaining to them that they are still a citizen they have rights Right. If they knew that they had them, really, they would do react a little bit differently. But could they? Yeah. And that's what this show talks about. Maxwell, I know you're quiet. I know you want to comment. Yeah, I'm waiting. Yeah, I have definitely comment. Yes, absolutely. Because and I know that Scotty, Scotty wanted to, to comment, too. So go ahead and say something, but in another, like, 30 seconds or so. Well, let him go ahead. No, let him go ahead, because I won't. No, just let him just go ahead and do what he needs to do. No, okay, and then we come back from yes. commercial. I want you to take over yeah. from there. Is that okay with you, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Everyone, this is yeah. New Abolition Radio. For the read ones to come on, but please, if you have anything you want to address, concerns, call in at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. And Brother Reed, is that you? Yeah, and also, if they want to comment, uh, they can call that number if they want to listen. Um, but if they want to comment, hit the star key twice and that'll unmute you. But please watch your background noise so we can preserve the quality. No, it, it was just something that Christopher just said about, you know, he's reading about in the newspaper and people are bringing up how these undocumented migrants are being mistreated. And they are being mistreated, um, you know, in these cages and what have you and, and through solitary confinement, which is torture. But but, you know, what, when you said that, it triggered me because one of, one of the things I like about social media is you got all these politicians on social media commenting on stuff and you can and you can reply to what they have said. And so for a number of months now, I've been seeing them. Some of them I feel are sincere. Others I feel like are just posturing and, and, use, and using these undocumented immigrants' plight as uh, to score political points like they care about human beings. But I but I would frequently reply to them, 
Well, this been going on for over 150 years since the since the uh, uh, end of chattel slavery and the beginning of prison slavery. And these stories are happening all across the United States. And I don't, you know what? You don't care about American citizens, but you care, you know, you want to get on here and, and grandstand for, uh, again, those are human beings too, and everybody deserves to be treated humanely, but it just really bugs me when a U.S. politician will speak more to their plight than they will to, their, to our own citizens. They're selective. They're being very selective. What they're doing is being very selective in what, because as we said, we have elections and, and, and various things come up, and they know that there's a large population over here. And, again, a lot of them are starting to use this as a platform. It's starting to be a give and take. You know, you put me in office, like, where a lot of people don't understand, they can force these politicians to do their job, and that's what they're not doing. The people are not going out. They're not doing their voting. They're not doing all these things. It's just a lot of rah, 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 you know? And yeah. until people really start to take action and to force their hands, there's not going to be no, you know, there's not going to be any change or anything. They, they get on to make all these promises. And in, in New Jersey, what the residents are starting to do now, they're starting to hold them accountable and, you know, calling them out. No, you said X, Y, Z during your campaign and everything, and they're forcing their hands. To make them keep their words on what they said they were going to do and all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Brother Max, let's take our quick yeah. break. It's just going to be 15 yeah. seconds, and then we'll come back and y'all can all right. continue. Right. Right. Uh, you're tuned in to New Abolitionist Radio Broadcasting every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time Live. You can also check out our past programs. We've had some great guest activists, former prisoners uh, out there putting in work. So check out our archives right there on Black Talk radionetwork.com we'll be back on the other side you are tuned in to the black talk radio network for podcasts and live program scheduling visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com welcome back to the new abolition radio black talk radio we have special guest brother christopher pastor who did his time in the federal penitentiary, sharing his experience, but also explaining pretty much the trauma that goes on behind the walls. And, and Maxwell Melvin, you know, we want to make sure he was able to voice his concerns yeah. and things that he's been through. But with this program, we want to make sure that we address, you know, the positive really- things that happened after what we went through. But I want people to know your background so that way they understand why we go so hard for abolishing yeah. the Third Amendment and why it's so important for prisoners to have a voice. So, Maxwell, you can take the floor here. Absolutely. What I like to say is that, you know, a lot of people say, you know, this system that's going on right now is not just some system that came up overnight. This was designed the way it is. And if Mm -hmm. they know the man is out there and trying to set us up, and they know the way the system is, right, you know all these things. Of course, it's a, it's a trap, and it's designed by design. And what people have to do is, you know, you know, it's just like, why are we putting ourselves, you know, in those positions if we, we know what it is, right? And people, that's where most people's concerns come in, in the public and everything, and think that we should be punished the way that we're punished and everything. I'm not talking about outside of the uh, dehumanization and things in those ways. Most people say, well, if you know the system is designed like this, the system is set up for you, then why do you go out and do these things? Those are a lot of people's concerns. And a lot of people have no mercy or anything for anyone that's been convicted of any type of crime out there. They don't care about that. But then on the other side, we have the people that, you know, are, that's tough on crime and all this, and they're talking about it's in the best interest of public safety when it is not in the best interest of public safety. It's in the best interest of people's pockets being filled is what it's about. And, you know, it, it, it is a system that's really designed and is really about that. And so, you know, people, our families, and, all you know, everyone – has to become involved as I said 
to hold these politicians accountable. The public needs to understand, and these companies and everybody needs to understand, you have to be there to assist these guys that's coming home because the cycle of recidivism and becoming recidivist is going to, is more than likely it's going to happen again because you have guys that are coming home, don't have their families there. They can't go to public housing. If they go to public housing, you know what happens, right? The family ends up, uh, the family ends up losing a house or whatever. For example, New Jersey has just put a, a bill up. They're trying to get signed uh, by the governor and the legislators to pass the bill on transitional housing now, that it starts inside there. When a guy's being prepared, that they have housing set up for them. That is very key because most people that are coming out are homeless in every day. And you see and, talking and about... Maxwell, you said that's in Jersey? Where, where about is that? Where's this taking huh. place? I can't hear you, sis. You said in New Jersey? They just, they just started doing this in Jersey? No, it didn't pass yet. It's a bill that's just sponsored, just sponsored, uh, just sponsored. It has to go before the legislative and everything right now. And that it will be mandatory that they prepare transitional housing for the prisoners. I will give you the bill number at some point. I don't have it right here before. Well, Ma- Maxwell, I have a quick question, and also yeah, if yeah. our if our guest, you know, can speak yeah. to the trauma of. I don't yeah. know what your personal situation was. I know a lot of people, mm-hmm. like my brother. Uh, did over 10 years in prison, but he has yeah. somewhere to come back to. You know, yeah. my yeah. mom owns yeah. her own home on her own yeah. land. So he, yeah. but everybody don't yeah. have family or family with resources like that. But Maxwell, did you know um, um, uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, they had, had uh, what's his name, Dr. Um, who's over hood right now. What's it, Carson? Ben Carson, you know, he was... Ben uh, Cavett, you mean? No, no, Ben Carson, uh, the the ben former Carson, surgeon uh, who's in the Trump administration. And, and what, what, what was his he, He's what? over housing, what is it, housing and urban development. Oh, yeah, when he took all these billions of dollars out of that? Yeah, uh, well, well, yeah, he was yeah, asked... He, yeah, go ahead. He was asked by Ocasio Cortez of if he thought it was right that prisoners uh, be banned from public housing, or yeah. it, or if families should get kicked out because somebody in the family commits a crime, you're going to kick out yeah. the whole family and whatnot. And he yeah. he he claimed that. He didn't think it was good policy, and he thinks that you yeah. know that should be yeah. changed, but that remains to mm-hmm. be seen. Yeah. Well, let me well, step in. Just start. No, they weren't starting. They have they have done that many times. People know have been already kicked out of their homes and had to give up their homes and things because of uh, other family members that were incarcerated. For example, if you go and when I came home to a point. And they were trying to put down to get a, uh, you know, a friend who was putting down for a apartment. My name come up. And even if I said at that point I wasn't going to move in, they were denied. Based off of my background, they were denied. Wow. You know? So that is not something that started. This is no, I'm not saying it started. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it just started, but she questioned him about yeah. that policy. Yeah. But Christopher, Christopher wanted to chime in on that. Yeah. Well, I'm, excuse me, guys. That hits home for me. Uh, yeah. When I did come home, I was in the halfway house. Um, yeah. Did get a job in a few days. Um, mm-hmm. In three months, my own apartment. Now, when I decided to move to North Carolina, yeah. I did get an apartment, and I didn't put on there I was a convicted felon. Yeah. Somehow, they found out I was mm-hmm. evicted. Only. 72 hours to vacate the premises. Yeah. That's in North Carolina. In Tennessee, yeah. that was an issue at yeah. all. State by state, that can vary. Yeah. Uh, it's important yeah. to be a, you know, to be aware of which state and, and which area that has yeah. these types of things. Exactly. Certain apartment complexes have those laws. Now, mm-hmm. public housing, I know Yeah, I grew up in public housing in Detroit. So mm-hmm. if my uncle, who was a my uncle was a, a uh, habitual offender, yeah. spent yeah. many years up in Jackson State Penitentiary yeah. up in Michigan, 
and uh, he couldn't come to my grandmother's house. He had yeah. nowhere to come to. Yeah. Like, like he was saying, many many brothers who don't. I yeah. was in that boat. I don't yeah. have a mother, a father, and I, I was yeah. out there on my own. So I ended yeah. up going for my own apartment. So I yeah. want to speak towards the thing of not only is it hurtful to the person that's being um, not denied, the yeah. family is being hurt because it goes right back to the whole uh -huh. ultimate plan is if you can destroy the family, yeah. you can destroy the community. Exactly. Um, and, and, I, I'm, and see, I've, my insight on this is this right here is mm -hmm. that many times we don't know what we don't know because it yeah. doesn't affect us. But when it does affect us, yeah. then we yeah. become vigilant about it. Yeah. So yeah. now that we know about this, it's important now we become vigilant, but we have to tell that's part of our story when we talk to other people or, yeah. or God yeah. to do in the wrong way that you're going to deny yeah. yourself not only voting, but also yeah. when you can live, you even will hurt yeah. your, your baby mama, your yeah. auntie, mother, yeah. for where they live at. So this decision yeah. you're making in the streets is far-reaching. Um, not so, only that, yes, not only that, hold on. When you got some brothers that may have an elder parent out there, I'm going to give you yeah. an example, and you're going to be the only one to come out there and take care of them, which would also take some of the burden off the state or whatever. They'll kick that person out of the house, and that person has no one else or anybody to care for them. They end up losing their house because you're not just going to leave your parents there. Or I've seen other guys that ended up getting in trouble. They was very frustrated about it and everything. They end up going out there, I'm going to do what I got to do now. The system going to do this. All right, they want me. And they, they go out there and they get into something. They're very frustrated, and they don't know what to do. And being homeless is a very frightening thing, man. That is a bad feeling, bad feeling. You know, one of the baddest feelings in the world of not knowing oh, where you're going to be and where you're going to end, you know? So, you know, I, I just say to my, my guys all the time, I'm always involved in public, is uh -huh. take inventory and take stock. Uh -huh. Um just think that this is something you're doing just for you. This is going to hurt not only you, but everybody you love. Yeah. Uh, so that's 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 my um, take on that. And speaking of kind of we talked about the trauma and mm -hmm. rebounding from that, I encourage all of the family members who may be listening and even my, my panelists, let's start talking about mental health. Let's start mental talking health. about mental yeah. health. Not yeah. only because someone has a ideation or a uh, yeah. reaction. Let's talk about mental yeah. health, even when it comes to anxiety or when it comes yeah. to yeah. Um, stress. Let's come yeah. to an agreement that we can start promoting mental health and mental well-being. Oh, um, they are. It's being promoted. It is, it is being promoted heavily now. Oh, you know, some I'm more. Not been, but, no, I know. I'm just saying it's being promoted. Let's continue to broaden that. Because what, what I've seen, most of those guys who were in the hole with me who were yeah. doing these um, you know, things, many of yeah. them had mental illnesses, but they were undiagnosed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is a big issue um, yeah. itself. And, that, that, and then the trauma of being in prison yeah. or being in a hole yeah. only impacts yeah. um, that itself. So let's, let, yeah. uh, uh, I want to uh, open that up and, and, and yeah. as well talk about the trauma and aftercare. Um, so, uh, yeah. Khadija, um, I want to say that it's important that we focus on many aspects of citizenism, ex-prisoners, and guys who are in prison. I even yeah. encourage us as a people to start encouraging our brothers who are currently in, um, and I'm going to be transparent, I have a son who's 26 years old who's incarcerated mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Do you know that first visit my legs walk. I, it took everything for yeah. me to walk through that gate to see yeah. my son, who I came home to do everything I could for him not yeah. to end up to be there. Yeah. And I'm talking about yeah. I broke down. Yeah, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I believe you. I believe you. Uh, it was something that I, I never, and then I realized the impact that I may have made on some individuals yeah. because my yeah. son is a great guy, great young man. Um, mm -hmm. Just made a bad choice that was the wrong yeah. people yeah. and so there's so much trauma involved in that itself and I and for me I let him know why he's in there here's the thing yeah. I'm not going to reward bad behavior 
When I am yeah. going to reward it, you send me that GED certificate, I'm sending you yeah. some money. When, I, when yeah. you send me your essay you wrote this week, yeah. I'm going to send you yeah. some money. When you send me yeah. your booklet that you text off, I'm going to send you mm-hmm. some money. Yeah. Everything after that is you on your own in there because you can survive in there. And you and I both yeah. know you can't yeah. survive in there. No. You know, yeah. so, and when we're sitting here talking, when we're sitting here talking, let me say something. Bro, it's not always easy sitting up here sharing my story, bro. I become very emotional and have broken down many times because it triggers so many different feelings. As we talking in some of these conversations, your mind is just taking a snapshot. It's taking pictures. So all the things that's not there, mother gone, this happened, that happened, it triggers so many different feelings inside of you. When I went into prison, bro, I had 14 family members. When I came out, do you know how many of us are left right now? Five. Five. And when I say I'm sitting here sharing my story sometimes, you're reliving that, telling your story. It takes a lot to get up here and, and tell your story sometimes, bro. And, like, I become very emotional at times, bro, and I have to step away sometimes, you know? And like I said, I share this story so that others won't have to relive my story. You know, because my story, my story is not something that I got out of a book. It's not somebody, something somebody told me. It's none sure. of those things. It's something that I live, and it's my story. Nobody can tell my story better than me. You know, and uh, you know, but so like I said, when I'm sitting here and we having these conversations, bro, you don't know how hard it is to hold back. And our listeners don't even understand that. We might sound all good up here talking and stuff, but they don't know what's going on inside of us right now at that moment. And I just wanted to share that with y'all. All right. I appreciate that, bro. Thank you. And hey, we're having yeah. some uh, technical issues. Uh, Khadijah and them got cut off in there. Trying yeah. to attempt to connect back. We have 10 minutes yeah. left, um, well, a little under uh-huh. 10 minutes left in the broadcast. Yeah. And Christopher, yeah. um, Khadijah said that you also wanted to touch on voting rights for prisoners because that's something uh-huh. that we've been, you know, pushing on the program in recent weeks with Bernie Sanders, uh-huh. you know, bringing that up. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing, let me get my situation with voting rights. I came yeah. home in 2005. Um, I was on federal paper. And during that time, you are not state and federal. Um, you're not allowed to vote. Yeah. Once I completed my supervised release, mm-hmm. I was able to vote. My first yeah. vote was in 2008, my first presidential election. Uh, was for then the President Obama, and mm-hmm. I, I since then I'm a very faithful voter, and I encourage others to do so. Um, not mm-hmm. just vote on emotion, but vote on truth. Vote on facts. Yeah. Go do research. Yeah. And don't yeah. just follow a party because that's exactly. a party that's been from. Um, that's your grandfather's party is not the same party today, and vice yeah. versa. Uh, things exactly. and people change. We know people take on different platforms based upon yeah. who's running for this. So voting for me is a passion. Um, it's something I do faithfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I encourage other folks to do it. But now for those who have lost their voting rights, yeah. this this platform is. Those who have lost their rights, we have to do something so that we can make people aware whether mm-hmm. or not they have rights or even how to restore your rights. There's a path yeah. and a way to do it in some states. Yeah. Yeah, like Virginia, yeah. for example. Virginia, yeah. there's no... Um, there's been, matter of fact, it wasn't until this last election where the uh-huh. Democrats, they were going to lose the election, that they decided in Virginia, which is the ex-prison... If you know about Virginia, Virginia is a prison state, like Georgia. These were uh-huh. states where um, they found the well, outskirt areas and built prisons there for convicted prisoners who didn't want to comply to the British rule. Um, that's just like John Oglethorpe of Georgia was the um, Georgia was a prison state. Um, that's where everyone went to to work on farms to send back up to the colonies uh, on the East Coast. So making people aware of what voting rights are and how to restore those voting rights is important. But back to my point about Virginia, it wasn't until the last election that they decided to change the law about convicted felons because they felt as though they were going to lose the election which they yeah. did, 
but they yeah. even talked about giving voting rights back to felons. Now we're talking about yeah. Virginia, a, common, a commonwealth state, mm-hmm. who's yeah. landmark decision to change voting for felons for an yeah. election. That tells yeah. them there's a lot of yeah. gerrymandering, the political posturing yeah. when it comes mm-hmm. to voting for us. Yeah. It's not so yeah. that the only reason they want to have voting rights is so we can vote right. for them. Exactly. We're, we're not exactly. voting for them. They don't yeah. want to have voting rights. That's now, my point. Yeah. Now, New Jersey right now is in the process of that. It's been for the last two years, but you know how they uh, 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 brush something off is not prioritized. It's set on the side of the back burner. But (laughs) New Jersey right now is in the process of of trying to really change that. But the bill's been dragging around, staggering, sitting there, and they're struggling real hard. You know know this. The reason why it's dragging along is not election season, and they don't need your vote right now. Yeah, that's well, what, oh, no, right. they, they still they have local elections and, and, and various things right now. So, you know, they count in that, you know, because they're going with that party. You know, like everybody's going to have their little picks and bits here and there and who they vote for in a particular area. All right. Even though such and such might be, uh, for example, I'm just using an example, a Democrat, but the, the congressman from the state or whatever is a Democrat. And they don't always Did support all Democrats. Win. Thanks. I called you. I'm well, I'm sorry. I uh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize my mic was open. Um, but yeah. but I don't think Christopher understood um my question. And you know uh, what I think it you did touch upon. Like I live in North Carolina. Once you complete your uh-huh. your probation and everything, your yeah. rights are automatically restored. Yeah. We see what's going down in Florida, where the where the oh, wow. where, yeah. where the voters yeah. did vote mm-hmm. to restore yeah. their rights, and now. You know, the Republicans is trying to throw a monkey wrench into that. But my question, but my question was, is that Bernie Sanders, who's running for president, draw drew Uh a lot of heat because he wasn't talking about Uh felons. He said, Uh if you are a U.S. citizen and you are in prison. That yeah, you should yeah. be able to vote just like prisoners yeah, in yeah. in the state of Vermont are able to vote mm-hmm. and the state yeah. of Maine are able to vote. If you're a U.S. citizen, you should be able to yeah, vote yeah. while you were in prison yeah. because when you had them yeah. prison jobs, they still yeah. taking out taxes on you too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what are your exactly. thoughts on that? My thoughts on, well, let me say this. Um, Bernie Sanders has a great platform to say what he's saying. And Vermont itself is a great example of what it can be like in this whole country. I support that. I'm totally behind that. And the reason being because um, when you're incarcerated, it doesn't mean that you no longer have a say-so. When you come back out here, you have to live in the same world that you left. That is pretty much why it's important that we look at restoring voting rights, not when we uh, complete parole or sentence, but even when, regardless of what's going on, you still have a say-so. Now, the reason why they don't give us voting rights, and, and it's, 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 you guys know this, it was years even before um, slavery was, um, was abolished, they had other individuals that couldn't vote because of felonies. Mm-hmm. It is a sad day when we have to sit here and um, oh, and sell ourselves to a government that we have no space in. Well, we come to the end of the broadcast. Of, I do have a couple of announcements before we close out and um, mm-hmm. anybody else that has any announcements, but I want to give Christopher an opportunity Absolutely. to, you know, share some final thoughts with the listeners, tell people how they can get in uh-huh. touch with you and support the work that you're doing through the Angel Book Project. Awesome. awesome. Well, um, Angel Book Project is... is a way of, I'm a child of trauma. I've shared that. I went through from the time I was four years old um, till I was an adult. And even as an adult, living in Detroit, being shot at, in shootouts. Um, Detroit back in the 80s, 90s was not the best place to live in. Um, there was a high crime rate and low low employment. So that means drug, and then at the same time when the crack era kicked in, if you know about Young Boys Incorporated. Um, I was in the Young know? Boys Incorporated in 1979. Cool. 
You were? Yes, I was, Scotty. What part of the city are you from? I'm from the west side. I used to live on Petoskey and 30, well, no, it was Petoskey. I can't remember. Petoskey in, in Cortland, I believe. What up, though? What That's what's up. What, what, what up? What up? Hey, the only way I escaped that life, and a lot of my friends got killed in that life, so I know where, exactly what you're talking about, is that my mom, I, we left one in 79, I was 13 years old, and we moved back home to North Carolina, because I was originally born down here, but I was, I, uh, my mom moved up there when I was two years old, and so yeah, I know about Young Boys Incorporated. Okay. So that being the case, that's where all my uncles came out of, YBI, uh, 50 Strong, Pony Down. Um, so me growing up in that, that era, it was, for me, a, a trauma situation. I, I've seen a lot, a lot. Buffalo Projects on the east side. So for me growing up, that, that had an impact. I didn't know that then. It wasn't until I really sat down and began talking to someone and listing out all the things that happened to me since four years old. And I realized that I fell into a category of what they call um, severe traumatization or severe um, impact. So, and I kept wondering why certain things, I would do certain things, things would happen. It's because of trauma. And so my Angel Book Project is a way of two ways for a child who's facing either acute illness or severe trauma to begin writing and processing as a kid things they're going through and also put a spin on it where they can begin to be empowered through the Angel Book Project. We are right now in our fundraising um, campaign for 2019 summer. We have an event coming up this Saturday, um, June 1st, um, Saturday. It's called Car Wash Cupcakes and Coffee. So if you have a vehicle, bring it down, we'll wash your car, and Donato's Pizza is going to give you a free pizza for the car wash. There'll be free Frosties for the kids. I have some, you know, those are great things on the Angel Book Project. But the long-term effect on my long-term reach as I build Angel Book Project out is I want to be able to get Angel Books in the hands of inmates. And many of them have been through things, and, and it's a way they can communicate, and they can create even children's books for their kids who are out here in the world. Um, because your child may not remember anything you say, but they'll remember what you write. Uh, so it's Angel Book Project. That's this um, June 1st. That's um, an event. Please come down. We do need more volunteers, brothers. Um, and it's only 45-minute volunteer. We do 45-minute rotations. We want to keep it soft, simple, and sweet. So when you guys come in, we're going to be fed with water, washing some cars. We're building up the awareness the impact of trauma for children. Uh, and we yeah, have so we yeah. have link to uh the website which is angelbookproject.org uh, yeah. uh, angelbookproject.org Angel which is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um you're not far yeah. from me, bro. Small world. Small I'm right across we the river. <laughs> I'm right across Catawba in Gaston County. Oh man, I'll come out there and, and I'm gonna see you. Hey, hey, listen, know they having a Detroit um uh, picnic uh, this coming Saturday. Right? Yeah, bro, I'd like to ask you a question before you go. Also, are you familiar with Robert S. Hellraiser, who's the host of radio show out there in Detroit? Robert uh, S. No, I'm Hellraiser. Not... No, I got to connect no, you. I, I got to try to connect it, you with him. Yeah, do that because my mom used to be in the, the bike club called the Hellraiser. Well, well, no, this guy name is Robert S. He did a song called uh, 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 Rapper's Hall of Fame. Look him up, Robert S. Hellraiser. He's the host of a radio show up there in Detroit, too. You know, you might, you know, might be Let's some connection there. Let's um, make that connection Let's make it yeah. happen. Yeah, all right? And uh, so, so I'm going to give out my... Let me say this to you, man. Yeah. For all yeah. the lifers, man, and, and, your, yeah. and your fight for lifers, man, yeah. I commend yeah. you for that, brother. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Those are not people. Uh, yeah. I tell people that prison is the only place that you can die but still be alive. Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. dead to the world because you're out of mm. you're out of the society, but you're still yeah. alive. Something. Yeah. Well, Christopher, again, I want to thank you, man, 
first of all, you know, um, I'm glad that you survived that situation and came out with your mind intact, even though you still experienced that PTSD. But I like the way that you're coping with it by putting in work for the community and trying to prevent others from going through that. So, so thank you, bro. And we hope that you'll join us again at a future date. Um, you know, when you have something coming up, just let us know. I love, I love the love, man. I love the, um, the, the feeling I have with you guys, man. Really felt like it was a very good panel and everyone definitely shared. So I'm welcoming back. I'm here for you guys. Okay. All right. You have a good evening, bro. You too, brother. Thank hey, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Melvin, yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. All right, Brother Scotty. Uh, Brother Maxwell, do you have anything yes, coming sir. up that you want to inform people about? I will be at the Queens Library in uh, Queens, New York on the 30th. I will have a ton of people there. A uh, special guest will be the one of the pioneers in storytelling rap music, who is Slick Rick. I will have official list of all the people that will be out there, and you know it's going to be it's going to be wonderful, uh, brother Scott. It's actually going to be wonderful. So I encourage all. It's free admission also at the Queens Library in Merck Boulevard in Queens, New York, and that's on May thirtieth. Starts at six p.m. Six p.m. Uh, all that. Are, huh? You said six p.m. It starts at yeah six six p.m. Yes, and it goes on to probably about nine, and uh, it's going to be really you know enforcing those formerly incarcerated, you know, uh, embracing them and enforcing them to understand all the benefits. Everything it's going to be like a fair of information and all those things that are also given out there. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's the moderator is going to actually be. Uh, brother Ralph McDaniels. I want you to look him up when you get a chance one day. He has one of the video shows before the Jay-Z's became Jay-Z, before any New York rappers became who they were. If they didn't go through him, it wasn't going to get no play. You know what I'm saying? It was like the black the black um, MTV at the time. And that show is one of the longest it is the longest running TV program in the world right now in that area of that particular show right there. The longest running show there is that's been on all this time, you know? And that same brother is the moderator, Ralph McDaniel. Okay. He's an, he's an historian. He also was uh, nominated for an, uh, 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 an Oscar for coming in to do a doctoral video on myself and the Lifers group. Yeah, Academy Award, he was nominated for it for Ralph McDaniels goes to Rawway State Prison, you know, and okay. I couldn't believe it, you know, but I'm just saying it's going to be a good show, come out, lots of positive information, exchanging of information, people getting to mingle, and we're going to talk about this next step that we need to, you know, that we need to, to, to make. Because uh, we all know what the problem is, Brother Scotty. We've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. A lot of people have to understand we have to bring it to fruitation to put it in the work. You know what I'm saying? When I say put it in the work, we have to, you know, we can talk about it and continue, but we know what the problem is. A lot of people have to understand now that we know what the problems are. We need to take action. Right. You know, to to, to stop to stop the things that's going on in the system where our brothers are being treated, uh, the, the death penalty, all these things. And we can make it happen. One person can make it happen. And one person can make a difference. You know? So I just wanted to share that. And anyone that wants to reach me, you know, that they can go Maxwell Melvin on Twitter. On Instagram, they can go Melvin seven eighty two. Uh, Melvin 782 on Instagram and Max Melvin on Facebook. There's a ton of information out there, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm available for bookings and all that, the civic churches, anyone, uh, Brother Scotty. And I like to thank the abolitionists, Black Talk Radio, you, Brother uh, Scotty Reed, for providing this platform, for being there, and for allowing us 
you know, the opportunity to get in and share our stories along with all the many people who have already come through. And I like the fact that we became the number one black talk radio network that we actually became number one, you know? Yeah, that that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. But thank thank yeah. you, Max, also for your service and, and everything yeah. that you do. And of course, you yeah. know, I'll be sharing that information about the upcoming event at the Queens Library yeah. in NYC yeah. on the thirtieth at six o'clock PM and it's free admission. So I'll be sharing that, you know, with our yeah. net with our network. All right. Just so, look at just look at the flyer, brother Scotty. You'll see the detailed information if you look at my flyer on the okay. Facebook. Okay, I definitely do that. All right. Well, All right. we lost Khadija and and brother Tyson. Um, yeah. You know, we lost technical them. difficulties. Yeah, technical difficulties. I'm gonna have to get with them and find an alternative means for them to connect. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. definitely, you know, I want to uh, yeah. just encourage anybody if you want to get yeah. in touch with them, you can hit them up at yeah. the Jazz Underground at gmail.com jazzunderground at gmail.com if you need some help uh, through the ministry that they provide through the prison Streets Talks ministry. With that said, with that said, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank our guests for coming on. I want to thank our panelists for always uh, putting in the work and we'll be back next week at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday night, right here on Black Talk Radio Network. Peace and blessings to all. Be safe out there. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this. Freedom.